Welcome once again to the RPG Academy Show and Tell. This is episode number 68, where we are going to be bringing on cool guests in this case and let them talk about what's cool that they're working on. And in this episode, we are going to be talking about heart. And we're talking to the the whole team over at Rowan, Rook, and Deckard Games. Welcome. Hello. Hi. Hello. Nice to be here. Nice to be cool. Uh, yeah. yeah, it is. We like to make sure that all of our guests, we introduce them as cool. Just so we, we have a bar, we need to make sure that you all are there. That feels less special now. You've seen <laughs> enough. Okay, sure. Yeah, we, there's only been 68, so. Mm, all right. Anyway, I... I, I was listening to a few other podcasts that you all have been on, and I, I feel, is this the first time all three of you have been on one? It is, yeah. yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. First. I hadn't realized that, but yeah. Pretty proud of that. All right. Normally, normally it's just me, and then sometimes it's me and Chris, but we're getting Mary on as well. Special guest. That's right. So now that we've we've, we've mentioned Chris's name, uh, we've got we've got Chris Taylor, Grant Howard, and Mary Hamilton with us. So uh, let's just let's just kind of go around the, the go around the table. Oh, you know, what? I didn't even say who this is. This is Tom, guys, not Michael. <laughs> All right. So so let's let's start with we're gonna do this alphabetically. So Chris, you get to start us off. Welcome. Hello. All right. So what do you do? Uh, I made games for Unrook and Deckard. My first sort of big published game was Unbound, which we did the Kickstarter for. Um, and since then, I've helped Grant with the one pages and done Spire and all associate products. Spire, that glorious game that everybody talks about. Then they yeah. should be talking about it. You, I, I, yeah, I know. I, I'm really. Imp- Your guys' community is huge. It's pretty. Yeah, it's pretty thing, big now. It is nice. I know. It's one thing I want to huge talk about and later. Lovely. Mm. Grant gave a very hmm, question on that. What? No, 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 no. Mm, they're lovely. No, no, sorry, <laughs> okay. that, was, that was me being positive. <laughs> All right, Grant, you're, you're, you're next. You're another part of Rowan, Rook, and Deckard. Oh. Hello. Yes, I write, I write games for a living. Much like I have the same job as Chris, um, and except I, uh, I stand slightly closer to the crowd. I think that's about pretty much what we do. Yeah, we kind of push uh, you up against the window. Yeah, yes. Yeah, uh, to get the get the crowds in. I, I primarily write one page role playing games, one a month, uh, and they're all very serious grown up games like Jason Statham's Big Vacation or Sexy Battle Wizards. It's they those are those are the the highest brow games that I have ever played. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I, Move I, aside, Polaris. <laughs> I do want to point out though. I'm glad I get to finally tell you this face to face. Jason Statham's Big Vacation is actually the game that I use all the time to introduce new people into role-playing games. Amazing. So oh, it, that's great. And kind of cruel of you to ruin other role-playing games. It absolutely is. And then we play <laughs> and then we play something else. And I'm like, what is this? Their expectations are just all out of whack. Yeah, so, I've, got, I've got all my vampire disciplines down here. Why aren't you rolling the Statham dice? <laughs> it's, it's, it's so true. And then finally, we're going to round things off with Mary Hamilton. Hello. How's it going, Mary? It's going very well. Um, yeah, so I uh, I don't do the writing bits. I do some editing, but mostly what I do is run the business. So I'm the person that kind of turns up in meetings armed with spreadsheets and tries to keep uh, tries to keep stuff on track, uh, manages budgets, does all the kind of don't necessarily think of when you're first thinking about creating an RPG. The important stuff, though. <laughs> yeah, oh, God, yes. Oh god! It, yeah. re- it really helps if you can also write about elves. I think. Um, <laughs> That's why we're a team. Yeah, exactly. Um, it yeah, it's a it's a good it's a good balance. But I, I it's one of the reasons why I'm not on many of the podcasts because mostly people want to talk about the elves bit and not the spreadsheets. <laughs> we're gonna get into the spreadsheets and we're gonna get to the Kickstarter. I'm so excited about the spreadsheets. <laughs> yes, absolutely. So, just uh, why we're why we're having you guys on is to talk about heart so let's just heart is going to be the the latest rpg that will be coming from you and it's going to be coming to kickstarter soon how soon fairly soon depending on when this goes out um hopefully it's going to be 17th of september 17th of september so that is we will try to get this out by then but that is only in 10 days at the time of recording yeah Yeah. that's coming up very (laughs) fast how nervous are you all on a scale of one to (laughs) ten Yes. I, I don't know, 12? 12. Okay, that's that's fair. So, we're going to I'm going to kick I'm going to kick it off to you all. And let's just 
talk about the basics of what Heart is. So from what I know is Heart, it's it's the new RPG from you. It's set in the world of Spire, but distinctly different. And I want to quote your website because there's something very interesting that you say there. It says, yeah, I know, right? It says, Heart is a game about damnation, redemption, survival, and obsession. But then it continues. Uh, this a perfect sentence afterwards. It says, it's also a game of a body whore and walls made of breathing meat. So... Yeah, yeah actually that's that's accurate yeah that's quite good though. i forgot about that you know, it, it was a good that's a very good pitch and it's right there on your website so just which one of you will want to just tell the audience what is heart chris chris why don't you think that we chris, this one? let us know okay so we for a bit of background we started with spire which was a sort of social game in a colossal mile high city just an enormous far-ranging game of revolution and once we'd kind of done some stuff with that, we started thinking about spreading the spreading out through the world and seeing what we could do with it. And we wanted to sort of test the limits of our system as well. We made the resistance system, which is what Spire runs on. And we got the idea for trying to do essentially what OSR does, that kind of grim, torchbearer-style dungeon crawling, sort of slightly horror, slightly grimy game. And so we came, we hit upon Heart, which is the kind of caverns and noxious areas below that massive city where people go um, for all manner of different reasons, whether it's the standard sort of treasure hunting, whether they're looking for redemption for past crimes, they're being forced down there or any one of a hundred reasons. Um, and it let us really open up the resistance system and see what we could do with it in a completely different paradigm. Um, and that's the product of heart. It's uh, as you said, as you described it with that quote from the website. Like it's this awful nightmare, cavernous body horror game of awfulness and hopefully fun. We wanted to talk about the bit that we thought was interesting from dungeon crawls, which is the horror element of it. I think, and the fact that it's quite there's something quite tragic about deciding to go into a dungeon because it's not the sort of thing that sensible, healthy people do. And we want to try and underline the fact that much like Inspire, when you were playing dangerous revolutionaries and they weren't really normal, good people, that we're, we're going back into that with this. And so we've, uh, every character, the, the motivation for going down into heart is half of your character uh, at startup. That's the, you get a lot of mechanics from that. So I just want to say, like, one of the interesting things about playing a kind of a more traditional dungeon crawl game is that the dungeon can be fully explored. You can go into every room, you can open every treasure chest, you can poke every trap. Heart is set up to really resist that. You don't get you don't get to colonize this. You don't get to finish. Um the the dungeon in this case is alive and it has it wants stuff and it it is it isn't as straightforward as um as kind of going in and completing and finishing. Um it shifts around you, it warps based on on what the party wants and in, in a way I think also what the players want to see what stories the players want to tell I think that's interesting that you talk about what stories the players want to tell within the aspect of a dungeon crawl because personally I love the idea of an OSR dungeon crawl but I hate playing them so yes. I, I, I know I've, exactly what you mean actually yeah. <laughs> so I ran it was so funny I picked up at a yard sale a when I first got into Dungeons and Dragons, a copy of Temple of Elemental Evil, I said to my players, hey, let's just run this old adventure. And we had an absolutely terrible time. But we loved the idea about that. So talking about heart, how can you take the, how do you take the aspects of an, what are those aspects of the OSR system or the, oh, not really a system, but the OSR feeling? And how do you tie those in with this more story elements of more modern games? We have a, we have a few design principles in our in our in our written up on our walls and one of them is a direct quote from spaced a popular late 90s nearly 2000s channel 4 comedy show uh which is skip to the end and that is it's it's one character telling another to shut up and and and, and hurry and hurry up talking but we really like the exciting bit of role-playing games the bit at the end when all the stuff happens so we've tried to build our system so rather than the only thing we model is when you run out of lantern fuel we don't model how much lantern fuel you've got. And we've, because the resistance system is so focused around loss and about misfortune, about what you have to lose, it was, uh, it was, it was, I was about to say, it, it was a simple, it wasn't simple, it was as straightforward as taking the idea of revolution and 
dodgy backroom deals uh, in Spire, and then working at what's at stake and reprogramming it. So we use we use a, a recognizable system. We've poked it up a little bit. Uh, there are like, anyone who's played Spire will, will recognize the core mechanic, but we've made it a little bit smoother. Uh, and it does it does rather than being this big social game, it does intense personal horror, which is quite exciting. I, I guess exciting is relative. yeah probably not so for the characters no so you're telling me i can't carry around five vials of lantern oil and i have to track sorry there's there's not really any encumbrance (laughs) oh man that's exactly so talking about you mentioned spire a little bit where does this where does heart and spire they're both set in the same world but where do they intersect because these are two distinctly different games uh, geographically they intersect at a point called in spire called derelictus like literally one is directly above the other um and it's a lot of the characters you can play in heart are people who had a real bad time when they lived in spire so they've committed such heinous crimes that they fled somewhere that is even worse than this like war-torn politically agitated city or they've got debts they could, the only way they can fulfill is by digging around in the muck down there. And it's, it's about the outcasts. It's about people who either haven't been able to handle certain parts of the world or are looking for new lives, looking for new areas to, to move into and make their own. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of crossovers, but the, the, the core of it is that it's, it's about people who don't want, who don't necessarily want to be there, but in a lot of cases have to be. So Spire is not bad enough. They have to get even it's yeah. gonna get even worse for them. <laughs> you don't know where okay. we're gonna go from here. Double actually. hell. Okay, so all right, so I'm starting to get some <laughs> starting to get some themes here. Uh, all right. So you all one of the things I hear so much about Spire and now Heart is how engaging it is as a setting. So question specifically for Mary. When it comes to RPGs and you're more on the, the business side of things, what do you think about the, the statement that settings sell RPGs? So um, for context, Unbound, which was the first Kickstarter that the three of us all did together, is a Unbound's a universal game. It doesn't have a setting, although we did produce a couple of um, source books that contain settings. Um, and Unbound did incredibly well, but I think it did well off the strength of the session the the very kind of first session of the game which is all about players getting together and creating their own setting and the strength of that mechanic i think is still what's uh is still what's great about that game it's still why people play it um my experience has been that it's not just the setting it's the fact that the setting is entwined with the mechanics so closely and so comprehensively inspire and also in heart um that's part of what gets people excited um, it isn't enough to say it's a mile high city and it's full of dark elves. It's the conversations that you have about the fact that you can play a inspire a carrion priest who is a um, a kind of priest of death who has a pet hyena, or the bound who um, fights with uh, the spirits of their possessed ropes. And in heart, some of the character classes are absolutely joyous, and they explain within them a whole bunch of the setting. I think Grant's already mentioned the idea of the callings, which are mechanically about, um, like mechanically they help your character think about how they're advancing and what they're doing um, actually in the dungeon crawl. But in doing that, they're imparting not only mechanical ways of playing your character, but also a whole bunch of information about the world in which you're residing. For me, I think you have to have both mechanics that work and setting that works, especially if you're not working with um, established IP. Which I guess is the other thing, right? In in a lot of a lot of the conversation around setting, it, it's actually about this established IP will sell because it's based on it's massive. A lot of pe- more people know about it. It it the game markets itself alongside other things, or because of nostalgia. When you're not working with that, I think you have to do a lot more work to get people engaged and interested in what you're in what's going on with your game. Yeah, I really do appreciate what you all communicate in the material that I've re- uh, read so far that. You didn't just, it's just, it's not just an expansion for Spire. This is an entirely new game for a new experience. Mm-hmm. And so, mm. Chris, how do you, when someone opens up Heart, what sort of experience should they expect? We've talked a lot about the, the general themes, but 
They open up heart. They sit down to play a game. What sort of game are they playing? Tonally speaking, what you're looking at is a a fairly dark and personal game. Especially in heart, there's a, there's not a lot of other people about. It's very focused on the players, their mo- the characters' motivations, and the choices they make in that kind of weird, morally gray area of all adventurers. Like if you look at Dungeons and Dragons, essentially what you're doing is you're looting from sentient creatures half the time. Like it never actually examines that as a moral quandary. It doesn't go, hang on a minute, you just killed them in their home. Is that okay? And <laughs> those orcs had poetry. <laughs> they had rudimentary television. <laughs> but what heart makes you it makes you do is every time you make an action, like, did I just do that for me, or did I do the right thing, or or what? And it doesn't answer that question intentionally. Doesn't go. There's no like black and white decisions. Everything is grey, and the best you can do is what you think is right. If you want to, hopefully, you want to be a positive character. Positive character. So when you say positive character, is this game meant to be played by? Obviously, there's a a moral spectrum in a lot of RPGs. But is this game meant to be played by good characters? What uh, Grant? What what sort of characters exist within? The world of heart. So, with the callings, we've done something quite interesting. We we drew we drew heavily on Marvel heroic role playing, which has my favorite XP uh, my favorite XP system, which is you get a series of uh, like like almost like Xbox achievements uh, styled around your character. So like Wolverine gets five XP if he says I'm not going back to help you, and then comes back and helps someone. And we were and I, I was like that's that's a really that's a really clever idea. I want that. I want I I I want I want the character I want characters to have an arc and I want there to be uh, suggested scenes which you can play out and so w- within the calling I think we've got like um, thirty two what we call beats these 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 achievements and some of them are as complex as uh, have something named after you or um, uh, put your friends uh, in danger to acquire knowledge, or we just wrote one recently for the adventure calling, which is uh, kick someone who really deserves it off a very tall building. And so there's, they're not like, they're not necessarily things which, or there's, there's also things like uh, take, uh, take major blood fallout. So that's, that's like sustain a serious wound. They're not necessarily things that your character wants to happen, but they're things that your player can enjoy happening to your character and will help us craft a better story. And so they they bring with them this arc um, as you as you get more powerful as you get more um, advanced in the game you have these minor beats and then these major beats all the way up to your zenith beat, which is the culmination of the story the reason that you came down here, and there's something innately selfish about all of them. Uh, it's kind of about about the push and pull between am I going to uh, like I'm I'm adventuring with these people uh, we've stuck together because there's not many folks down here uh, versus. I want my own things. And the most important thing about the Zenith beats is they complete your story, they give you your ultimate capstone power, and it kills you. Yeah, so like, imagine attaining top level, immediately getting the most powerful ability you possibly get, and using that ability will kill you. That's sick. Exactly, right? Like, It's so exciting. <laughs> we we, we kind of got annoyed at certain points where, like, in D&D, you get to 20th level. What do you do? Like, you've got this cosmic power. You're just going to knock about the cosmos for a bit? Okay. Whereas in this, like, you get it. You get to use this enormous world-changing ability. And it takes you out of the story. Because that character's not needed anymore. They, they, they've, in quotation marks, won. Start another character. Do something else. I should probably say that they're not all, like, actual death. No, sorry. We, we, we have been using death as a shorthand. Yeah, they're all. Oh, yeah. They're in narrative terms, the character is retired, but in not every case does the character actually die. I think one of them is you get to go home to your family, right? Yes. What? There's you pre- take that one out because it was too. No, nice. there's precisely one ability where uh, you die ten years from now, surrounded by your loved ones, and that is that uh, is the capstone ability of probably the most awful class in the game, like awful morally. The debt cleric. This is this is the the, the incarnadine. What is the what's the debt cleric like? Just you, just, it's you, one of my Chris, favorite Chris, this is your favorite you, class. You, you, you start throwing out these terms with this game, and they all sound absolutely like. Can I, I want to play this now? What is the debt cleric? Yeah, so that's like that's exactly why we made the game the way we did. Like that reaction you just had to hearing it's what the hell's a debt cleric? I, I need that. We tried to make everything feel that cool as soon as you look at it. 
right? So the incarnadine is the flip side of a, of a class from Spire. In Spire, we had the Azurite, uh, who followed a, a god of wealth and plenty. Um, and Incarn is the flip side of that. So the Incarnadine has used all of these Azurite powers and they've bought friendships and they've bought all sorts of things. They've bought the memories of other people to have a better childhood. And what they've done is they've bought so many things. They've gotten into this massive karmic debt. Like they, they, they realized that they were, they're the worst people. They've been buying all sorts of stuff they shouldn't have been. So now their powers resolve around trying to pay off that debt. So, for instance, we have a one of the resistances you can lose in the game is supplies. So you can actually be damaged in your gear. And the Incarnadine has a, a power called Backstab, which is exactly what it sounds like, honestly. But one of the extra modifiers you can put on that is called Remuneration, which means that every time you Backstab somebody, you heal supplies. As you start clawing back that debt and start taking stuff of other people to fix your debt, and as I say, we walk in a very morally grey area with some of the classes, um, but it's about how you play them. I think I think the Incarnadine's the worst. I think they're like they're, they're probably the baddies. Yeah, the, the, the Incarnadine is probably the worst. But like, when you get to the top level, the Zenith abilities. One is you die ten years from now at home, surrounded by your loved ones. The other one is the equivalent to here have ten wish spells. You can buy anything, and you can put the you, you can you can transfer. Uh, cosmic amounts of debt onto a karmic debt onto one person so you can have anything ruin anyone's life and you've got to make that choice and those are the those are the you have to make that choice yeah you have to make that choice i love that idea and if i were to bring this to the table i would make sure that there are certain players that i would definitely not let <laughs> them play that like, class <laughs> you've got to, you've got to pitch a lot of this to the to the right crowd um some classes won't be for certain people by a long a long way that's why there's so many classes and such a such a breadth to them. We have got nice people. We've, We've got, got nice, nice people, people as well in the classes. The Vermissian yeah. Knights are basically pointless. The Vermissian Knights, yeah, they wear repurposed trains instead of armor. It's great. Trains. Wait, yeah. repurposed what? Trains. Yeah, yeah, like things on rails. Trains. Kind of yeah. Yep. Chicka, 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 chicka. Those they, guys. they wear trains. Well, bits of train. <laughs> but, but, but there's okay. NFR is excellent as well. They um, summon a train. <laughs> the last functional train it kills them <laughs> oh, Lord. this is fa- this is fantastic so one of the things that we kind of pitching this to the right crowd one of the things we've talked about all of the the story focused dungeon crawling uh, the interesting world that you all have developed let's talk about one thing that is definitely i would say is a kind of a capstone for this or a key feature of this game and you all talk about it a lot on uh, your website and then in your various marketing materials is that there's body horror in this game. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about it. Uh, <laughs> why? <Grunt. laughs> it, it's really it's so yeah. So we discussed this before uh, that I would I would answer this question. It's okay. really easy. It's one of the easiest forms of horror to access as a as a GM. Uh, and this 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 is sorry. The, uh, one thing as well, I should say, uh, Chris and I are both really interested in body horror. I'm really interested in the idea of uh, what was the, what was that phrase you used, Mary? Body yeah. envelope violation. Yeah, it's one of one of the types of uh, there's there's various types of disgust, and one of the types of disgust is body envelope violation disgust. It sounds very clinical. It is. It's uh, yeah. it's a uh, it's a it's a technical mm. uh, it's a technical term. Um, for the disgust that you feel when you get to see the inside of something you really shouldn't see the inside of. And then that's what you're doing with heart. You're showing people what they shouldn't see. (laughs) (laughs) So like one one thing is that like, let's say you're describing gore, right? In a horror game. You go like, ah, this person's entrails is all over the place, right? That's not, everybody's kind of inured to that. So let's, I'm going to use a word that Grant doesn't like here. So so brace yourself. (laughs) Um, Let's let, let let's say that for instance, like you you got caught in a trap and your hand got skinned, like some skin was taken off your hand, right? He's already I can already hear him wincing from the word. Like there's what, a worse word, word, word for that. Yeah. It's called degloving. Oh yeah, right. I've, that I've visceral watched, reaction. Watch safety videos. Yeah, that visceral reaction is what body horror does. Mm. And when you're dealing with a personal story of redemption and. And again, moral choices where you're possibly choosing the wrong thing. 
Body horror is the horror, the, the most personal horror you can possibly get. That is horror distinct from fear. So, for instance, like uh, Cthulhu games quite often try to instill a sense of fear. Like Ten Candles is a, is a game about fear, not necessarily horror. But we, we wanted to, to do a very personal horror, and body horror really does that. It's like... In, Imagine, like, you want if you, if you want a really quick um, shorthand for horror. Imagine somebody you've never met before putting their hand in your mouth. It's, it's awful, isn't it? Yeah, that's that's absolutely horrible. Like, but that's such a minor thing. Oh, it's so it's so quick. And, okay. Yeah, yeah. It's because it. No, it's because it's that invasive issue into your space and how you're essentially doing that into at a you know in a great scale into a dungeon. Especially a dungeon that is, in so many words, sentient. It is alive. It's going to do it back. Yeah. And so there's an element of Heart of Darkness there, I think. There's an element of, like, you are changed by going into the place of changing. And it's quite... Mm -hmm. It gives us a canvas on which to play with. Plus, I think it's really cool when people's bones go funny. There's, I think there's a... Like, if you think about some like some of the inspirations for this game, and uh, Annihilation, if you've either watched the film or, I think, more pertinently, if you've read the book, I love that book, actually. Annihilation, uh, things like Darkest Dungeon, things where going into the space, you're attempting to impose your own order on a space that, instead of kind of being subservient to that order, is actively rejecting it. And the way that it rejects that is to change you. That's the kind of that's that's the space we're working in here, and for that it it has to be it has to be body horror. There's not really another. We don't have any other language that lets us sort of play with that. It, 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 yeah, it, that's exactly what you mentioned, Annihilation, and that's interesting that that's one of your inspirations, because that's one of the, the key aspects of that, is the, the presence of the area taking something, destroying it, and then rebuilding it into something that is completely mm -hmm. different. Yeah, but now imagine that it doesn't, it, it, it skips one of those steps. It doesn't necessarily destroy it, but it does change it. Like, you are still aware, you are still you at a base level until like a, a final, essentially, character death point. But before that, you're, you're aware of the changes and you're aware of what you've done and how it's reacting to you. And, and I mean, and, and one of the resistances in the game is literally keyed towards making that happen. So one of, yes, one of the yeah, resistances. Echo resistance, echo, yes. yeah. One of, your, one of your five stats is how, kind of around how much the heart is aware of you. Um, and how changed you'll be, how how it's changing you, and how much you are changing in response. So one of the things that I've I, I've talked to a few people, and I met who who played Heart at Gen Con, and one of the things that I personally I can get a little squeamish. So I asked them, how do you? Because I know some of them who also played could get a little squeamish in certain types of games. Is it possible to play Heart with that if that kind of stuff bothers you? <laughs> No, no, no. Honestly, like, I, th I think I think you could pull it off. Technically, yes. Um, what I've found is because I've one of my playtests has somebody in it that is real squeamish, um, and what I found was at the beginning they were just very distanced. They were they weren't like going no, I'm leaving. This is awful, but they just weren't fully engaging. And then just some various. I'm not going to go into them in length because it would be telling you the entirety of a campaign um but they got into it in a way i wasn't ready for and you kind of find that after a little while people just dive in with both feet and just go yeah all right let's muck about in this playground and one of the things about about role-playing games that i i adore is that they are a safe space to test out weird stuff you're playing with your friends. You've got um fully up front you've got lines and veils you've got the x card you've got ways out it's a safe space to analyze and deal with difficult things, potentially things that you hate. Like if you're terribly squeamish, like if you faint at the sight of blood, maybe RPGs is a good space to explore that. I'm not saying it's therapy in any way, but it's certainly cathartic. You know it's what I mean? Cathartic. Like it's it's one of the safer spaces. You're around friends. Give it a shot. I should I, I should say we we are. We all use the X card in our own games, right? We think and talk about lines and veils quite a lot. We It's important that there's respect for people's boundaries and that there's consent for the context of the conversation that's happening mm. in play. 
um, I think that's super important. But I think when you have those when you have those things in play and you're having an open conversation with your players, there's a huge amount of subject area that you can cover. Um, that and most people are, in my experience, people who are squeamish tend to be squeamish around specific things. And I so I certainly think it's possible to uh, run games of heart that avoid quite large areas of horror while still having plenty of uh, interesting space to play in. The the alternate side of the echo resistance is how much the heart is changing in response to you, uh, as well as the reverse. So it would be possible to kind of run a House of Leaves style uncanny reality game where everything's getting strange and you can't hold on to what's real. Uh, rather than having your own body change and rather than having, say, really visual, visceral descriptions of violence. It's certainly possible to still tell creepy stories that don't necessarily hit people's squeamish boxes. It's, 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 there is something to be said, too, about... Because, like I said, I can be particularly squeamish in some certain instances, but just kind of reading through... I was just drawn in it's almost like this gross fascination it's like it's it's like i don't want to i don't want to play this game i heard some people mention teeth before with, associated with this game and i was just like ah but i i just need i need to play it though so there was this one of these mary i wanted to specifically ask you with the kickstarter coming up with these themes of heart in mind how how mass appealing are you trying to make the kickstarter is it because you're trying to gather get a certain role playing experience, but it is something that some people may not be interested in? I mean, compared to Honey Heist, which is <laughs> sure. kind of at the other end of the scale, um, this isn't going to, like Heart, much like Spire, is not going to be the next Dungeons and Dragons, right? It isn't aimed at everybody. It's aimed at people who are interested in telling certain kinds of stories, who are interested in exploring certain kinds of themes. And in a lot of like in a very real way, this is aimed at and for the communities that we've been that we've been building up over the last few years. Um, we know that there are people who are interested in this world. We know there are people who are interested in these kinds of stories, and we know because we've felt it ourselves, right? That there is a a there is a fascination around the dungeon crawl that story games have never or have have not all. I haven't played a dungeon crawl that's made me go, oh, that was that 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 was fantastic from every angle. Um, I haven't played a game with a sanity system in it that I liked either. Um, and the interesting thing about Heart <laughs> is that while it doesn't have a sanity system, Echo Resistance actually functions an awful lot like a sanity system. It just doesn't do the... Oh, it's, it does have a sanity system. Oh, yeah, mind. I forgot about that. Yeah. <laughs> that's, but that's the, but my five. mind, yeah. Okay. <laughs> It's the point is it's got it's it's got it's got both it's got mythos without having the really grim mental health elements of every Cthulhu game ever, and it's got a it's got a way of doing dungeon crawling that is about the story that you're trying to tell. And that story isn't going to appeal to everybody. Not every story does appeal to everybody, um, and I'm we're pretty comfortable about that because we think we know that there is a core of people who it does appeal to, who it will appeal to, who are the people that we're making games for. That's, I mean, that's, I mean, that is, it's from a, from a, you all being a, a publishing group and a, a game design company, that is something that I actually look for in the games that I, that I play. Yes, I do play Dungeons and Dragons, which is very mass appealing, but the games that really speak to me are the games that are made for a very specific play style, play style mm -hmm. or play experience. So that's one of the things that just was really standing out. Uh, about heart that's, that's awesome that, that's really nice to hear <laughs> yeah okay <laughs> no, I, I really do i really do mean it uh ever since people told me about it it was just it was it's very it's very interesting what you all have what you all have done thank you so one of the things also that you guys kind of you mentioned this is that the mythos all right the 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 sanity spiral that kind of stuff the reading some stuff the critical fallout this is one of the things i wanted to also talk about all right all right this is a surprise question all right so it's, it seems like an interesting mechanic and it does seem to draw a little bit from the sanity spiral of some classic call of cthulhu so sooner or later you become insane um sooner and later the heart will could consume you uh what is the what is the critical fallout? It seems very interesting. So first off, you, one, one thing I want to call out there is that you said that eventually you, you do go insane, that there is this insanity spiral. 
Importantly, you'll note that none of them are, are like a DSM-4 classification, right? There's not like, you become bipolar, you become schizophrenic, you become this, that, and the other. That's not a thing. Like, at no point do you want to say, you are, you, you now have this diagnosable disorder. No, that's not, that's not cool to put that on somebody because you're not going to necessarily represent that correctly. You're not, it's a difficult thing to put in a game. Um, but what we wanted to do with Critical Fallout was essentially have a way to make death fun. That is that is one way of describing your entire game design career is the pair of you. Oh, thank you, Mary. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. But like when when you fail your last death saving throw in Dungeon Dragons, you failed. That's bad, right? It's you lo- very bad. You lose a character. It's terrible. In heart, what we wanted to do is to make... When you get critical fallout, you go, Yes! I got critical fallout! That's amazing! <laughs> and so, everyone look at me! Everyone watch this! And it's cool to do that. It's fun to have that. Because like when, when, we're, when we're looking at campaigns, we're not looking at like a year of every Friday you play a game. We're looking at like between 3 and 12 games. So you're not losing hours and hours and hours of character that you've built up. And like th- th- these characters have probably been through hell and back already. They've got story, yeah, literally. They've got stories literally. to tell. They've they've done wonderful and terrifying things. Let's have them when they go out. Let's have that be important and amazing. And that's what Critical Fallout is. Like one of the Critical Fallout. So this is this is the equivalent of a character dying. Is you've through collecting other fallouts on the on the way, uh, you've accidentally started a new religion. And now either your cult tears you apart because they find you a false prophet, or you go away and found a church somewhere and live very happily with your new with your new cult. And that's exactly the same as being reduced to zero to zero hit points in D and D and failing three death saving throws. We wanted people to get buzzed about dying. Um, we we wanted people to have the capacity to die well and on their own terms. And so giving uh, critical fallout, because because you can only ever get critical fallout from upgrading, you can't just walk through a door and get one-shotted by a goblin, as it were. That isn't a thing. Uh, one of the things which I really respect and something which I try to build into my games is the idea of platform. So you will lay down some platform and then that will pay off in, in, in narrative terms. And so minor upgrading to major upgrading to critical goes from, uh, oh, there's this weird guy following me around who says that he thinks I'm an angel, to... I have to go start a new church now. And that's narratively satisfying. And that, yeah, we wanted... Basically, we've been trying to think of them as... What's the word? Bad advances. <laughs> you level up by getting into trouble rather than by doing the things your character's supposed to do. And then you get kind of rewarded. You like There's definitely some strong feedback kind in the Fallout system. Kind of rewarded. Yeah, like, I think, I think an important thing to call out there that yeah. I just said uh, about upgrading Fallout... Fallout can only be upgraded Mm. as a dialogue between the player and the DM. There is no way to just roll critical Fallout and die. The player has to go, I've got a load of major Fallout. My character is badly beaten up, badly broken. I think that this this is it. I think the next time I take a Fallout, we should upgrade this. The DM never just goes, you've just taken critical Fallout, make a new character. A lot of things we've put into heart is all about that dialogue and all about picking spotlight and story moments for your characters every player every player character i've had who died was excited it reminds me the the very very first game that the three of us did together was a game called zombie larp um which does exactly what it says on the tin um but one of the character classes (laughs) that we put in it was a, a preacher um and their kind of main power was they could at any point start preaching gospel of whatever religion, up to and including secular. I think we had a rationalist um, preacher at one point. Um, who just, who, it, didn't, it, didn't, it confused it the did. zombies. I think he just disbelieved the zombies really hard. <laughs> anyway, you could, they, they could... He bought around a copy of a Richard Dawkins book. Yeah. <laughs> so, 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 just so the point of the preacher is that they, at any point, can start preaching. And from that point onwards, as long as they are preaching, they are invincible. And the minute they stop preaching, they die. 
They can't move. So all, what that person can do, right, is they they choose the moment for that power to go off. They stand in a doorway. Their party is behind them. Their party gets an opportunity to escape as that person shouts and takes out an entire range of zombies that can't go past them until the moment where they run out of words and then they collapse and get eaten horribly. And Heart is basically taking that core idea of you get to choose the moment you die, it gets to be awesome. You get to choose the moment that your character leaves the game and it gets to be awesome. And writing it into everything. Everything gets that moment of narrative satisfaction. Every character, every player, if they want it, gets that moment of incredible satisfaction. I love that. We always talk about the idea of shared storytelling and shared narrative in RPGs, but not all RPGs, they if they say that, but they don't necessarily have the mechanics to back that up. It, so it's, it's pretty interesting that you have brought that into the actual core of heart. And Spire too. Uh, one of the things which, which Chris and I really like to be surprised. Yeah, parents. same. Yeah, it's 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 very fun when they when your players start telling you the story. Exactly, and like I mean, um, an, an iconic power in uh, Spire was for the Knight of the North Docks. So they they start with this: you can't make a Knight of the North Docks that doesn't have this, where they can just say to the gem, "I know a bar around here. I know the landlord. He likes me," and you tell the DM about the bar. You, as a player in our games, you have a degree of narrative control to rival the DMs. Like, you can just shove stuff into the game. That's fine. That's great. That It's encouraged. It helps the GM. It's encouraged, yeah. And like, you're, we're never building a game where you've got that antagonistic dungeon master who's like, nah, I shall kill my players today. <laughs> you don't get that. That's not fun. That's, that's you having a fight with your mates over a table. <laughs> <laughs> that's not cool. <laughs> Um, so everybody gets a say, and everybody can has powers that build story, and as Grant said, build platform, and hopefully means that when they when they use a power, it's as interesting and cool as those powers, like Mary mentioned for Zombie Larp, where you choose the moment, you do a great thing, you steal the spotlight for a couple of minutes, and then you choose when it stops. I mean, it's. I mean, that's what we all want. We all want to have that shared tor- storytelling experience. Exactly. So I don't want to have to come up with every NPC name. It's... No, you. You like if 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 you've got an NPC, tell me his name. Mm. You've got it's your contact. Exactly. Yeah. I don't know. And the 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 way that those those um those achievements those those adventure the, sorry the beats uh attached to callings work as well the players tell the gm those at the start of every session so the players are expressly saying hey here's what i want to happen this week can i have that please and then it's up to the gm in their role as the heart which we have thankfully established in fiction is this malleable thing which is trying to give the characters what they want even if they don't know they want it the gm acts as dungeon acting as this sort of weird parasite dimension and you're all putting the story together because we don't like prep no we don't (laughs) Well, I think I think there's there's kind of a there's the synopsis that we've got for that is perfect, which is um, the heart will give you what it wants, or by goddess, it'll kill you trying. It's it's generous. Yeah, like it's it's yeah. desperately trying to help. It just doesn't understand what what life is. It properly. might even love you. <laughs> <laughs> that would be very interesting. And now I think that's a perfect segue between being generous and loving. Let's <laughs> talk about the Kickstarter. All right, so <laughs> spreadsheet time. Grant and I can go mission yeah. two. Yeah, that's right. So the Kickstarter, it's coming up. You said September 17th. Mary, can you break it break it down for us? What is the Kickstarter going to give us the give us the rundown? Okay, so we are kickstarting Heart. We want to fund the printing of some really nice books. Uh, we're likely to be using the same printer as we used for Spire. Um a company called Belmont, uh, based out of um Northamptonshire in the UK um, because they do really, really lovely colour work. Um, we're working with a guy called Felix Mial. I think that's how you pronounce his name. I'm sorry, Felix, if I got it wrong, who is uh, leading on the all of the art for the book. Um, if you've seen Spire, we worked with uh, Adrian Stone, who is astonishingly talented, um, and his art, uh, his art is the look of Spire. Um, we, we are working with Felix in a very similar way. He has, um, his style is make, makes the, it makes the world and it makes the world come alive. Um, and we're working kind of to co-create the, uh, to co-create the art 
with him. We're not telling him exactly what everything should look like. We want to give him the feel and the ideas and have him be able to play in this world as much as Grant and Chris have done. So we're going to be, yeah, so we're funding hopefully the print run. We are going to be uh, also offering a special edition of the book, which we're looking at. Um, we're kind of finalising details at the moment. Um, we're thinking quarter bound uh, leather and cloth with a foil embossed cover. And there's also going to be what we're calling at the moment an extreme edition, which we think we're getting hand bound by a company called Wyvern Bindery, who made all the prop books in the Harry Potter films. Wow. There's not going to be many of those uh, because we can't afford to make very many of those. Um, but for a very, very limited number of very high end stretch goals, um, there's also going to be an opportunity to commission some art directly from Felix um, to uh, go into the book, either um, adopting adversaries that don't have illustrations yet, um, which enables us obviously to kind of fill out the bestiary section of the book in a more um, in more visual way, um, and also uh, creating your own landmarks. Again, we're talking very, very, very high end for people who are excited about the world, want to contribute to it in a meaningful way, and are also um, willing to help and support us in the aspirations that we have for the project. Um, I'm really excited about, like, I want to buy the stuff that we're selling, <laughs> um, which is uh, which is which is always a nice, a really, really nice feeling to have. Um, I think it's probably worth saying, like, with Spire, with all of the products that we've done in the Spire line and for what we're doing with Heart, we have we want to have very, very high production values for these things. We want them to feel and look beautiful and we want them to last. There are far too many RPG books that if they actually get used, they fall apart. Um, and what we want to do, what we always want to do with the with the products that we put out, um, when it's when it's a book, when it's something that people have paid a significant amount of money for, we want to make sure that it's something that A, is beautiful and you're excited about looking at, B, feels nice. Uh, in an ideal world, we want it to smell good and taste nice. We've got the smell, I think, but the taste, we're kind of... <laughs> Star Spire smells wonderful. Um, oh, it smells so good. We're, um, oh, I, sh I should say we're working with Jay Isles on layout and design. Um, she wrote uh, Legacy and did, I think, all of the layout and design work on Legacy Life Among the Ruins, um, as well as a number of other things through her uh, company, UFO Press. Um, she's very, very talented and very good at this. Um, and yeah, what we, what, we, what we want is something that is is a lovely object, but that also is useful. And when you hand it around at the table and people are leafing through it, it's it's not going to fall apart. It's going to be something that you get to. It's a working it's a working document, right? So it's got to. We've got to try and do both. And I'm really hopeful that with heart we can that we can do that. But the primary reason for the Kickstarter is that we can't we can't fund that kind of ambition without the help and support of um, the people who are eventually going to be playing the game. I think it's fair to say that whatever happens with the Kickstarter, we'll want to put out the PDF. Um, but what we're funding is that lovely tangible beautiful thing we're funding felix to make more art and to make it as beautiful as possible um and we're hopefully putting a stake in the ground as we did with spire that says not just the core book is valuable and worth doing but there's a community around this it'll get played long term so we want to develop more things for it so um since the Spire Kickstarter, we've also kickstarted a full-length source book called Strata, which contains um, high society and low society setting, as well as a bunch of adventures by, um, diff uh, I think, 10 different adventures by different writers, many of them new, and it, it being their first um, publication in the RPG industry. Um, we've also produced four... So three short scenarios and uh, four other short uh, source books for the line. And we're still looking at commissioning more. There's a uh, Aspire one-shots book in the works um, and another um, fuller uh, setting book, I think, at some point in the next little while. We want with Heart, not, ideally not just to fund at a level that lets us fulfill our ambitions for Heart, but that also lets us say, okay, the next thing will be worth doing, the thing after that will be worth doing, and that that this this will be a game that's worth that, that we're able to support long term um, and keep bringing out content for the community so that they can keep playing new games and exploring this world in more detail and depth yeah i like the idea of just building on to what you what you're doing the uh, the other thing 
that something that you said is that you want to、mm-hmm. produce a product that is nice to look at,、um, pleasant to pleasant to hold, and I think that's interesting. I, I just want to point this out because I've talked to several other、uh, designers over in Europe,、um, some of them with Modifius, and then. Kiosium, and they say that it's a it's a uniquely European thing. I think right now is where you want to create the RPG book that is it's it's something to be behold,、mm. and it's 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 interesting that you all say the exact same thing that that they are.、Uh, so、I just it was yeah because we want、yeah. we don't always get to play these right away. So having that having that art is just yeah it's great to just have. You've you've got Monty Cook in this magnificent cube. <laughs> This is true. Everyone forgets about, about the cube.、Um, and the cube. But no, I think I think <laughs> I can't. It's taken up too much room in my living room. <laughs> I think there's a genuine, interesting thing here, right? Which is the acknowledgement that as the RPG industry has grown, like it used to be that you could buy pretty much everything that came out and read most of it and play ninety percent of it. The most of the people who are buying Heart and buying Spire, this isn't their only RPG. It's unlikely even to be their one large purchase this year, and there are probably as many people who will read it and not get the chance to play it as there are groups who will actually get the chance to play it. We want to serve those people as well. We want to serve the people who really enjoy reading RPGs, who are going to potentially buy it for the setting and for the. Um, bestiary, and because the ideas in it are fascinating, and they're then going to use those ideas in their games, even if they don't necessarily use the system. And I think it's, I think it's really important to acknowledge that we want people to play the game. There will be people who don't get the chance to play the game. There'll be people who want, who don't necessarily want to play the game, but still want to experience it. We want all of those people to have something in their hands that is useful and and good, and that makes them feel joyful about. The purchase that they've made,、um, and excited about what's inside. That's awesome. So,、uh, absolutely, the、uh, like the art for this game. It absolutely seeing that cover. It was it sucks you right in. It was, it's a it's a great piece. I, and so I feel I should point out that that's the cover of the playtest edition, <laughs> not the book. Oh really? There's different art for the book <laughs> and the、We、different editions of the book. <laughs> that's just the playtest. That's the、mm-hmm. that seems that sounds like so much fun though. You're just commissioning covers. Yeah, it's not cheap. <laughs> but the, oh, but the class art、yeah. as well. I can't wait. I can't wait to show people the、oh, deep apiarist. It's just it's beautiful. I'm looking forward to it now. The yes. What's, what what countries are you all shipping to? Yes. Yes. All, all of them. Oh yeah, all of them. Why would we not ship to another country? <laughs> Absolutely. It's. I mean, that's. I mean, that is one of the things that you see、um, so often with different Kickstarters is that they don't necessarily ship to all the all of the countries. So,、uh, absolutely. Yeah, international international shipping is.、Um, I think the word is nightmarish. Yeah, I think that's the word.、Um, we've done this. We've done this. This will be the fifth time we've done it. We've made.、Um, Enough mistakes in the past to know what not to do, and every time we make a new and exciting mistake,、uh, and we learn from it.、Um, but as a general rule, <laughs> we 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 know what it costs. It's not cheap. U.S. shipping, in particular, it, from the U.K. because we're not getting our book. We're getting our books produced in the U.K. because I don't know if you're aware of Brexit, but <laughs> yes, yes, the world is painfully aware. For logistical reasons, we have chosen. Uh, on this occasion, as with our, mo- our most recent, the, the previous Kickstarter for Strata, we have chosen、uh, to work with primarily UK-based producers because that means that、uh, we don't need to worry about unexpected Brexit tariffs turning up and, and problematizing the process.、Um, As far as shipping goes, we are look- we're working with、um, a company called Parcel Hub. They're not a traditional kind of games、uh, distributor. They they just do distribution and ful- fulfillment and warehousing for a variety of different products. And we've worked with them on, I think our th- I think all three of our most recent Kickstarters, and they've been absolutely brilliant, very consistent, and very much kind of on the money when it comes to.、Um, When it comes to pricing, we're also looking at working with a U.S.、Uh, distribution center, which will bring the prices down for U.S. backers. We're hopefully going to be also going into business、uh, with them as a broader distributor for Heart once it, cu- assuming that it comes out,、um, because we'd like to make sure that it reaches、uh, friendly local game stores in the U.S. as well and from the U.K. That's really hard to do. 
So we're, we're working on that network, but we've got experience with this. Um, even the books that need to be sent to Malaysia and Brazil, eventually they get there. Yeah, I definitely think it's it's key to stress that this is not your all's first get like it's this. Very, no, it's very much not. Yes, absolutely. So can you share at this point, I know it's that we're not at the Kickstarter yet. Can you all share what that goal is going to be? What do we what do we need to do? This is on you, Mary. Well, as as in what the funding goal is going to yeah, be. How much, yeah, what's the, yeah, the funding goal? I, I don't if not, feel. That's... No, we, no we, have, we have established it. We have established it. Yeah, but I'm scared. That's okay. We have to say it in 10 days anyway. Mary, yeah, I was going to say, Mary, it's 10 days time. Yeah, so I think we are looking at a minimum funding goal of £17,000. It's just one seven, not seven zero, just to be super clear. <laughs> I mean, it's 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 definitely it's a it's not a modest. No, it's modest a size, it's a sizable chunk, and it lets us. It specifically it lets us fulfill those ambitions around how beautiful and how pleasing and how great we want the final product to be. If, as I said, if we don't reach that, we will end up releasing something digitally that um won't that won't achieve those ambitions. But interestingly, it's also, I think it's around half of what we asked for for Spire. Yeah. I, I think it's definitely, as a, somebody who backs Kickstarters, it's, see, when I see a project that has a bunch of ambition, like you're saying that your product does, but then it doesn't have a, it doesn't have a funding goal that necessarily matches that ambition, it makes me as a backer very nervous. Yes justifiably mm-hmm. so because either you've got a creator or a business who is putting up a lot of their own money behind that and is hoping that it rather than rather than structuring the kickstarter in such a way that they'll recoup those costs they're hoping that they'll get those costs back and that's how you end up with people um deeply in the hole after kickstarters which we're, yeah. we're not in a position where we can do that there's also a thing here though where we have plumbed some of the money that has come in from spire and some of the money that comes in for example through grant's patreon for his one page games that goes into paying grant and chris to do the work and it also goes into commissioning felix and commissioning jay and creating the playtest document and working on the quick start it goes into like a bunch of that money is already spent and we've already funded that we're not recouping debt with our Kickstarter. And one of the reasons why we can afford to have the funding goal lower this time than we did for Spire is because we're a business that's in reasonably good standing. That is, you know, we we have an R&D budget, we have a development budget, we have investment budgets that allow us to get to this point with a game before taking it to Kickstarter. That's awesome. That's uh, mm. that's absolutely incredible. I'm super happy for you all that you have been able to been able to do that. The so Grant Chris, who are you all then the obviously the primary designers, but are there going to be any other writers that are contributing to Heart, or is it primarily you two? It's just us on Heart. Okay. Uh, yep, we, just us. I feel um, we. There might be other products yes. in the future that will have other writers on it, like as as Mary mentioned with with Strata that had ten other writers on it, each doing their own chunk. Um, but the the core heart book. Is I, I think right. for the for the for the first for the first book in this in this series, the first book in the setting, I think we wanted to keep quite a tight control over how loose our canon was, as it were, <laughs> and just to try and try and try and try and at least sketch out broadly what the heart is before we let other people in to, to put their own stamp on it. You needed to put your 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 very sick, disgusting vision on it. A, a horrible, many-eyed <laughs> stamp with bone limbs. Yeah. Okay, and then every then you can let and other people pedestal. put on other limbs and yeah. whatnot. Just as- and also, if we if we include other people in the Kickstarter, say we get a stretch goal where we get some famous name to do stuff, we're waiting on on their production schedule for that document to get to us and it needs to be edited and proofread and whatnot. Which is difficult. Like it's not impossible, but it it can delay things if you're looking at multiple different writers. Whereas we are, if it's just Grant and I, like this yeah. is literally our job. Yeah. We don't do other things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like this, this is how we earn our income. So <laughs> you don't get paid for that um, technically. I've I've just realised that I haven't mentioned the map. Oh, you oh, I oh I love cartography. So if you love cartography, you'll hate our map because there's none of it on there. <laughs> okay. It's just Wait, art. so 
Uh, no, no. So basically, the, the way in which heart works, we give uh, the book comes with a load of landmarks and delves, which are connections between landmarks. Basically, landmarks are semi-stable areas in the heart, which is ever changing. And when you when you visit a, a landmark, you sketch it down on your. We we, we supplied like a printout paper map with the uh, with the uh, playtest rules. And so you, you write down the landmark, and then you write down the bit in between, and then you sort of map out your version of the heart. So the the there's a core understanding. There is no central map. There is no one defined vision of what the heart is. We wanted to really lead into the way that everyone's version of the heart will be different and their own. So with the map, we've got Felix to draw us this beautiful piece. Uh, it's inspired by what's it called, the Empyrean? Mm-hmm. Um, the Empyrean. From what's it, Dante's? What's his name? Aye. Dante's Inferno. Yeah, uh, from Divine Comedy. Divine Comedy. So there's this big sort of swelling mass of angels. That is, it's, it's a very, it's a beautiful, beautiful image. And he's taken that and he's, he's created this uh, this hex grid, uh, which maps uh, the the heart by tier. And we're producing stickers, which you can put in to, cust- to, to customize this map. And the idea is that you play one game on this and all your characters die or you complete their stories, whatever. And then you come back in from a different angle and approach, and so you can revisit the places which you visited previously. And we wanted to have an idea of a legacy map of heart which you build, which is yours. All right, so I am, I'm, so I'm very excited for this now. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Good. I, that sounds incredible. Absolutely. And like one of the one of the nice things with the map is that let's let's say for some reason you play heart once. You fool. Keep playing it forever. But if you play Heart once and then you know some friends who are going to play it, give them your map. And you've, they've, got, you've, they've got a couple of locations marked on it so they can go and visit things in the same place in the same order that you did if, if they want to go that way. Um, and it, it's, again, part of that. Like we, We've got a wonderful community and I'm, gonna, I'm looking really looking forward to seeing how people set up their maps and how how their different elves went and all that sort of stuff because they can they can share that and they can use that map for different games. Yeah, I can't wait to see these pictures and and, and what they do with the blank stickers. That's going to be super yes. interesting. It yes, sounds, it is. It sounds great. We can't wait for it. So as we start to we're getting to that time now. So we'll wrap things up by is there anything else that you all want to tell us about Heart before we close things out this evening? It's got predatory buildings. I, I I did yeah. see something about a predatorial library. So there you go. That's another reason to buy. Yeah, heart. It, <laughs> yeah. You 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 can essentially in Question Marks die. One of those critical fallouts is you become a librarian. Okay, in the library. fantastic. I think it's a perfect like, capstone <laughs> for our conversation. Is the predatorial buildings. So we're gonna keep it there. So I think I think I think this 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 one like one super quick yeah, thing absolutely. that i want to say um which is which is that we we are so grateful to our community for supporting us for enabling and just for enabling yeah, us to make part <laughs> even to get it even to get it as far as we have is an incredible achievement i'm so so thankful and for all of the feedback we had an, an open play test and people were so generous with their time and with their engagement and it's it's a better game as a result of that feedback um i'm really excited for those people to get to get what they've been waiting for and i really hope that they are as thrilled about it as we are right now and i just kind of want to take the opportunity to say thank you to them thank you yeah thanks if somebody wants to engage with you and this community how how can they do so um, so we have a Discord space. Um, we are the three of us are all on on Twitter and relatively easy to find. Um, I'm at NewsMary. Uh, Grant is at GS Howard, and Chris, you're at the Madigan, right? That's me. Yeah. And we have a Discord space where we send links to that to anyone who is interested in coming and joining us and hanging out. It's it's not a publicly available invite. But if you ping us, tweet at us, um, or if you buy any of our products, either from our website, from Drive Through RPG, or from uh, Indie Press Revolution in the US, um, they all come with a little thank you note that includes a link to the Discord. Um, we're active there. I think there are a few RPG Discords where you've got the authors very active. Um, I'm also active there. We post little previews, little snippets from um, things that we have upcoming. We have rule, uh, chat channels around uh, Spire and around Heart, as well as around resistance games, so get other games that are using the same systems. Uh, we have world building channels, we have general tabletop chat, and regular pictures of kittens now, mm. um, which is excellent. 
so yeah, it's a it's a friendly, welcoming space if you're a Discord user. Um, and we also have uh, a newsletter which you can sign up to on our website. If you go to RRD Games, uh, actually bit.ly slash RRD Games um, or rrdgames.com and click on the newsletter link, you can sign up to our email and you'll get regular um, updates from us. On you what get we're doing. one a month maximum, a month. and they all have a free and, and they all have a free game in them. <laughs> wow. And sometimes they even happen in the right month. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> All good discords have a kitten channel, so we'll put you guys up there mm-hmm. in, in the rank with the best of the best. And what we'll do also is we will Great. throw your Twitter and then the 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 website for it, and then also the Kickstarter link in the show notes that people can make sure awesome. to check out. And so Heart is going to be coming to Kickstarter once again on what's the date? 17th of September. 17th of September. So please go out and make sure you check it out. I want to thank you all once again, Mary, Chris, and Grant for joining tonight. It's absolutely great conversation. I know I'm more excited for this game than I was before. <laughs> so absolutely. It's working. It's absolutely. You've got, you have one backer now. Okay. Yes. Uh, yes. All right. Well, I get to keep the lights on. There you go. Well, thank you all uh, once again for joining us. Uh, this has been Tom with the RPG Academy presents show and tell episode 68. And remember, if you're having fun, you're doing it right. Thanks for listening to the RPG Academy podcast. We do this show out of love for the hobby and the desire to be ambassadors, welcoming more people into this community. All of our website content will always be free to use and utilize, but there are expenses related to the show. And if you enjoy what we do here, then please consider supporting us in some way. You can do so as simply as rating or reviewing us on iTunes or your podcatcher of choice. If you're going to purchase anything through Amazon or DriveThruRPG, consider using our affiliate links first, and then we'll get a small percentage sent back to us. You can do a single direct donation through PayPal using the paypal.me slash the RPG Academy, or consider joining our Patreon campaign at patreon.com slash the RPG Academy. And for a donation as low as $1 a month, you'll get access to lots of extra goodies, including bonus minisodes, invites to monthly one-shot games, one-sheet adventures, and more. Please consider following us on Twitter and Facebook, or join our Discord, where we like to try to keep the conversation going with our fans as best we can, and are always looking to talk and chat more. Or do none of that. Just continue to listen and enjoy our show. Because honestly, that's enough. Thanks. And remember, if you're having fun, you're doing it right. We'll see you next time. The music used for our intro and outro is Fly a Kite by Spectacular Sound Productions, used under the Creative Commons Attribution Share Alike License.